When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. Brian Semling is an experienced entrepreneur with over 25 years in business. He is the founder and CEO of Blitz Innovation. He has built several brands such as Brian's Toys, a collectible toy business, to several Amazon FBA brands like Strictly Bricks and Clever Creations. His latest adventure is Rovox, a modern athleisure footwear brand which can be found at rovoxfootwear.com. On the podcast, Brian will talk with other entrepreneurs and social media influencers about their entrepreneurial journey, from what it takes to start and run a business to how they may continue to grow their brands and where they see themselves in their businesses in the future. And now, here's your host, Brian Semling. Welcome to the Fit for Success podcast. I'm Brian Semling. Today, our guest is Anthony Grupo, international CEO and author. Welcome, Anthony. Brian, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Glad to have you. And uh, you've got a fascinating background and a tremendous amount of experience. I'd love for you to take a couple minutes to just tell us about uh, your background and um, and share with us where you're at today. Sure. You know, maybe if you don't mind, before I do that, just a, a moment about you. I just wanted to take a moment to congratulate you on your success. What a great podcast that you run and you're that rare breed, Brian, that has actually put into practice, you know, what he talks about in all your success with your businesses. So it's, uh, it's an honor to be on the show. Hey, I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. And um, yeah, glad to have you. Love to have uh, discussions, chats like this. It's fun. Yeah, great. You know, so real quick, I'd rather uh, talk about others than myself. And uh, just quickly, this is an exciting time uh, after, you know, 45 years in, in the insurance and risk business. And having lived all over the United States and helping organizations be successful. Now, finishing up my tour in the United Kingdom as the uh, CEO for Marsh Commercial. And now having transitioned to my successor is uh, the time for that reinvention, right? Is now where some people would call retirement. I have no idea what that means, but I understand reinvention. So it's an opportunity to really start to help charities and we're talking, you know, we're now going to be starting Grupo LLC and where we can help with charities and, and raise money. Uh, Linda and I, uh, my partner, are looking at now funding a foundation and uh, working with supporting organizations that help with, in areas of autism and also senior care. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time. Yeah. And uh, for our listeners, as we're talking here, um, you're literally at that transition point sounds like you know we're here at uh, towards the end of march you've got two days left at your current position and you move on in two to two to three days basically right so this is kind of working yeah. to at a, um, literally at that point where people think about you know maybe for decades and uh, and you're kind of here and really it sounds like wrapping up your professional international ceo career and about to embark on uh, kind of putting all of your interests or efforts, I should say, professional efforts into 
charitable work and kind of the next uh, the next step. No, exactly. Well said. Now I transition to David Bruce, who who was serving as my chief operating officer, in United Kingdom, and he'll assume the role of, of CEO. And, you know, it, as you and I have talked, Brian, right, succession and perpetuation is so important. So many times leaders don't start thinking about their successor until it's much too late. And we should start about thinking about that the minute we assume any role. And, you know, having lived all over uh, America in, in helping organizations and then overseas is that that's such a key factor. And there are some people that just hang on too long, right? <laughs> You're like, okay, <laughs> it's time. And, you know, you need to open up the door for others. But yeah, uh, it, it's such an important thing. Well, it sounds like uh, that the transition is going very well. And uh, congratulations on, on thank you. Uh, on, I think a very successful uh, career, but as you pointed out, I mean, it's it's not it's a tri- it's you're not done yet. You're just reinventing and moving on to the next. So tell us a little bit about your uh, your authorship, which is something that yeah. uh, you know uh, is another uh, accomplishment in of itself. And um, yeah, so tell us you, you've written seven books, I believe. So tell us a little bit about those and, and how you got into to writing. Yeah, no, thank you. It's uh, really probably creating reality. My first book is now over 20 years ago, and it really was a passion and a call from so many people to to do it and to tell you know my story. I come from uh, wonderful yet humble beginnings, and a lot of that, the guide to a, to personal accomplishment. In fact, my podcast, The Roots of Leadership, and uh, one of my more recent books, Pushers of the Possible are those stories about people who came from nothing. The odds were against them and ended up being very successful. Six Degrees of Impact I did with Manik Tahar, a psychologist, and we talked about what are the really impact zones of leadership, all the way through my most recent that's just been out, The Pen and the Lens. Uh, I teamed up with Gemma McCarthy, the British adventurer and photographer who did the photography for the book. And it was, it's my poetry, right? My publisher said, Anthony, you know, like you're 67. If not now, when, like, you know, we love your poems, like let it go, right? Release them. And it's been, it's been really well received around the world. So, you know, I donate all my royalties, every penny of royalty to, to autism. And in fact, we've now uh, reaching out to start authors uh, for autism around the world, other writers that have uh, a charitable uh, desire. And it's just, you know, look, you know, Brian, you know, the world is so small. Right? And as you make contacts on a global basis, there are people that really want to do some amazing things. So that, you know, that, that's kind of the background of some of the books. Um, even, you know, as crazy as sounds is I did a book with Nick Boletari, the international tennis coach, because I want to see what happened if you took someone to coach professional athletes and someone to coach business leaders and what the model would look like. Hmm. Well, it looked pretty uh, identical to each other. So it's been a, a real diverse writing, and I've just met some key wonderful people along the way. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. It sounds like you have um, not held back to just try some different things from uh, a unique approach of working with a tennis coach, and how does that relate to business coaching to uh, poetry? And it sounds like you uh, perhaps were not willing to share that poetry until it sounds like around age 67 or so. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. You know, because the poetry covers such wide range of area from, from racism to women's rights to um, the, the circle of life to a lot of different things. And all of it comes back around to, 
to people and, and what they need to do to, to lead their lives in a happy and productive state and their companies. I, you and I talked about this, right? I'm sometimes a bit saddened when you see some of these self-professed leaders out there that are coaching or, or giving guidance to people, but they never did it themselves. They never were in the trenches. They never did the hard yards yeah. and they're theorists versus practitioners. So, you know, when I talk to you, right, you start three to four different businesses, you started out of high school, you know, you, you have this great trajectory of, of risk and bold moves. But then I see people following sometimes the wrong role models. And I just encourage people to check the pedigree and the track record uh, before you're coached or led by by some of these um yeah. Some of those individuals. So you shared with me that you've got uh, some tips and techniques that you think are uh, sometimes uh, overlooked or not yeah. as known as they should be. So why don't you take a few minutes yeah. to share those? Yeah, yeah, sure. With us. No, glad to. I, you know, I could be pretty quick and succinct about this. Uh, I'll break it down to six kind of impact zones that the listener can can apply in their everyday life and and uh, careers. When you think about the first one of leadership, a lot of times people fail to understand that you don't have to have burnout, work in spikes, sacrifice life balance for your career, that they are intertwined and can be can be welded. And I, I would say to listeners, first thing is ask what kind of yourself, what kind of leader do you want to be? Now, it took me decades to understand in my career that the role of servant leader was the most important thing to take myself out of the agenda, to think about those I served. And when I was in the UK, you know, 3,000 employees, 60 different, 45 different locations and, you know, multiple countries, right? You think about Scotland's very different than Wales. Wales is very different in England. England's very different in Northern Ireland. And you think about as a leader, how do you serve thousands of people and their families? So I would say in the first impact is what kind of leader do you want to be and how are you going to help others? The second thing is, is really the, the resources around you is to look at the internal and external resources that you have available and make use of them. You and I have seen it as entrepreneurs that sometimes they have great vision, they have great energy, but they don't have a lot of resources around them. Not just, I'm not just talking about cash. They don't have some of the people around to handle operations or different things, and they, they, get, they get in a quagmire. So think about internal and external resources. And your strategic position. What is the plan, the goals, the objectives, the strategies, the actions, the tasks? And it's not just a boilerplate plan off the internet. It's a strategic plan that's got real quantifiable goals, people that can help you with that, not put your name next to every goal and objective, and don't overwhelm yourself with that strategic plan. If you think then about the outcomes, if you think about, you know, the outcomes aren't, won't come to you as a leader in an organization or entrepreneur. And whether you have 12 people or 1,200, it's the same issue, is that you need to have that research and development. What are you constantly researching and developing that is for today and tomorrow? If you can see it, you can have it. The visionary every day can manuscript a, a landscape, right? Create the reality to how it can look, but you need that strategic position and the strategic plan to clearly define it. And then what kind of outcomes do you want to achieve? What, you know, types of 
for your, your family, yourself, your those you look after. You know, Brian, I would say in summary on this that I, I use the UK as an example. You know, as an American CEO, when you go to a foreign country, everything's different. Where you buy your food, where your flat is, the map of the tube, right? It, everything is completely different. But what isn't different is the hearts and minds of the people. So before I spent any time with my senior executives and councils, I traveled the countries meeting people that were doing all the tasks, all the jobs that help you and them be successful. And then I listened to the senior leaders and heard their opinions because you and I have seen far too often the leader that comes and just goes into the boardroom or goes into this certain office and only sees the same people and doesn't think about the opinions, the concepts, the ideas of the people themselves. And that's why we were successful. And I would encourage if, if the listener does nothing else, it's the resource you have around you and the humanity, the fabric of that humanity that's around you that can help you knit an incredible life. There's a lot there that's incredible uh, advice and wisdom um, over uh, that you've uh, kind of put together or I think figured out over your career, right? So that's um, fantastic and some good advice for people who are um, maybe getting started or maybe midway through their uh, their journey to just think about some of those uh, points you hit uh, a number of things. But you know, what type of leader do you want to be? And I suppose. You know, even if you're, that's a question, like I think you said, some of these things took you decades to figure out, right? So Sure, because as a young leader, you, you're focused on, you know, growth of your family or your own risk taking. And you don't realize early enough that the diversity that's necessary, that you need diversity around you, you need youth around you. And I'll say this to the, to the leaders that are later in their career, look yeah. around, look around and see who's around you. They all look like you. Are there... Are you really tackling diversity or is it a punchline on some compliance form? And then at the same time, that will give you a great deal of energy and vision and also what the people really need and want as we go into hybrid working or whatever it might be. So that's why there's such an energy on the on, in business and life right now that, that before was contained because people were afraid to step outside of that ring that they were comfortable in. Rovox, where fashion meets fitness. Now, are you referring to the pandemic over the last couple of years, or uh, what is it that you're referring to as far as? Um, I'm referring to that, that people, when they, the, the pandemic ignited it and it made it more visible. Yeah. But the leaders that forced their own opinion of how things should be versus listening to the people of how things could be, and they shortened their circle. The greater the risk becomes, they shorten their circle of who they interact with and become actually more invisible, more aloof, and more unaccessible. They say they're communicators, but are you really? So do you really communicate? I remember during a pandemic, I installed in my flat a private phone line that the employees could call in the, in the evening or weekends, and it lit up like a Christmas tree. And that's how I knew you know, you can force them through HR. You can say, well, there's 3,000 people. How can you possibly handle those phone calls? Well, of course you can. So you get to hear exactly what people are thinking and it helps you build the foundation of your decision-making. 
Sure. But I just see far too many that, you know, they've shrunk their circle and in turn they've blinded their vision. Well, that does sound like a, an incredible uh, step to cut straight to the, uh, I guess to cut, what would you call it, but the bureaucracy or the the barriers between the people mm-hmm. and you as the leader, right? So you just made it um, yeah. your phone accessible. Sounds like about 24-7, maybe outside of sleeping hours, perhaps. That Yeah, yeah, I, I cut it down on weekends. I, I, gave, I, gave the, I gave it a window in the evenings and weekends, yeah. But um, you made yourself available, and it sounds like people did reach out to you. Uh, was it that they were typically, um, were they needing help, or were they just wanting to share? Uh, you know, what did, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, yeah. It was a, a wide range, but I could put it into three, three zones for you. One is that, are we going to be okay? Uh, for example, the Marsh organization made a decision around the world that no one, no colleague would lose their job because of the pandemic. So no one was furloughed, terminated, or jobs eliminated because of the pandemic. So that was one thing. The second thing was really, how would this develop? Because as we started to work from home and other issues, it was it was that. And the third piece, and probably the most emotional, and the one that was that their individual stories, right? Partners that lost jobs, family that died because of COVID. We were dealing with Brexit at the same time. Uh, We had just turned the company to a brand new model. And it was those personal stories that made me understand that as a CEO, it didn't matter that we had 3,000 employees because every decision that we made affected tens of thousands more. Their families, their immediate uh, loved ones, uh, communities were at risk. So it put more pressure on us, because the more you open yourself up, the more pressure, but pressure is a privilege, isn't it? You know, people say, oh, the pressure, the burn. I'm like, oh, come on, get your head up, square your shoulders, because tough enough, because the truth is, is that pressure is a privilege. If you have that pressure in your life, that means you have a privilege that others don't have. Yeah. And you're in a game others can't play. So, so instead of crying about it, attack it. And to clarify, do you mean that you felt the pressure of when you when you open yourself up directly to, you know, thousands of people potentially reaching out to you? Is that the pressure referring to the, you know, just the different human emotions that can come through each of those conversations? Because now, you know, now, you know, look, as a CEO and senior leader, your jokes are always funny. Your clothes are always attractive. And, you know, people a lot of times will tell you exactly what you want to hear because you don't they don't want you to prod deeper into what they're really doing. So let's be honest about that, right? There are underperformers and there are, there are overachievers. The underachiever is going to beat you no matter what. The underachiever, whether they work from home or they work in the office, they're going to find a way to not perform to their passion, potential, and capability, right? They, they're going to beat you no matter what. People are like, oh, everybody's going to come back in the office. Really? Why? Because that same underachiever is going to beat you anywhere. Then you have those that are just young, some heroes that are doing a good job that nobody knows. So you ask the leader in that line or the other level, you know, do you know, Brian? Like, have you talked to Carol? Like, um, she's got some good ideas. So what it does is it shows the employers that they don't have to fear a chain of command. They're not going to cause chaos, but they're going to be valued. And when you do that from the bottom up, it puts pressure on the leaders to also respond to their people and listen, because they know that they're talking to you and others. Yeah, you're basically setting the... um... I was just thinking about this as you were saying it, but basically you're putting pressure, healthy pressure 
on your leaders, you know, the, the people who are the supervisors of the people calling you or the executives who are maybe a couple levels above the people calling you to, to in essence, do the same thing, right? Yeah. That's right. Not necessarily to have the, the phone lit up in certain no. hours, but no. at least the general idea that that they're reaching out to the people that they are responsible for and uh, and that they're listening, basically, right? Because um, Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well said. Because it's not about the phone line, right? That's a support mechanism, but it's every exchange, every monthly meeting, every one-on-one we did as a company culture is that on that call with thousands of people on me with a Zoom call or whatever, you can ask anything you want. We never scripted the questions. We never blocked the questions. We never had planted questions. You know, you've seen that, Brian, right? Yeah. Leaders that plant the question, the one they want to hear, and just ask whatever you want. And it got crazy. Hey, there's some, <laughs> some stuff out there. I'm like, Ooh, like you, yeah. okay. Your employees could tell it wasn't scripted because it was pretty obviously not scripted. Is that your point? It was. It was. Oh, really- sure, sure. Because I didn't get a question. I'm like, hmm, I have no idea how to answer that. Or I just say, no, that's never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, but this yeah. again kind of goes to that point of if it's okay for you as a CEO to, to field all these questions and it kind of sets the tone for the culture that in a weekly meeting with a group of 20 people, it may be expected that a similar type of uh, questioning might happen at a local office, just for an example, because you're setting yes. the tone as the... Uh... So that sounds like very, um, you know, very powerful leadership and very thoughtful. Um, you know, I like guess you, you kind of, it starts with kind of that first question that you said, that, you know, the first, uh, where you said, you know, think about what type of leader you want to be, right? And then that was, I think this kind of is a, what we're talking through is kind of a, comes from that right uh so be that servant leader and show the transparency and not only for the the people connecting with you and yourself but really kind of the entire organization the other leaders right because there's dozens maybe hundreds of leaders in a in a in your organization um with thousands of people right it's good um to really set the tone for them as well well, this has been uh, fascinating. I love um, you know chatting about things like this, and I could keep going. I'm sure we're having a great time. We could go on for hours, and I would love it. Um, I want to give you a chance here before we wrap up to just uh, anything that I haven't asked here today that you uh, that you wish I would have asked, or anything that you'd like to um, expand on that we haven't had a had a chance for yet before we wrap up. No, it's been great, Brian. I would just say this to all the listeners is that you're more ready now than you think. Uh, don't wait to be 100% ready or wait for someone to tell you that you are. You're more ready than you think. You don't have as long as you think either. Hmm. Uh, sometimes we, we sit there thinking that we have plenty of time and we can, you don't. So you're more ready than you think. You don't have as much time as you think. And don't take yourself seriously to the point that you start to choke yourself and your passions is to play the game loose, play it light, enjoy it, but attack it. Uh, That's awesome. And of what you just said, like the one that really, I mean, they all resonate with me, but the one that resonates um, directly with me at the moment is you're more ready than you think. Um, I have two kids. uh, Sonia is uh, 14, a freshman in high school, and my son is a sixth grade, uh, uh, sixth grader. And they know I started my business when I was 16, and they're like, you know, 11 and 14 and pretty soon here to turn 15 and 12. 
So I encourage uh, them. I don't push them, right? I mean, I yeah, yeah. encourage yeah. them and they, I, I set the example and so forth. I mean, they, so we, like I'm an entrepreneurial person. And so that kind of, you know, rubs off on them to, uh, to some degree. But, um, you know, I tell them like exactly what, I mean, I don't use the words you're more ready than you think, although I really like those. Yeah. But I, I tell them like, get, just go try something. It's an experiment. The sooner you get started, the more time you have yeah. left to, um, so my son has really, you know, kind of jumped into this just even in the last week. And he has, uh, I probably shouldn't get into the details of it too much because it's brand new and he might be a little bit embarrassed about the, uh, but basically he's, he's building a website and he is an expert at uh, at one of his hobbies, and he's creating a, in essence, a training plan. Now nobody oh, would I love this. Nobody would know where, and, and he's learned some things from me. I'm like, like you know, we deal with consumer goods with most of yeah. our businesses. I'm like, Eric, if you can think of something that doesn't revolve, that doesn't require freight and fulfillment and cost of inventory, especially when you're 11, you know, um, yeah, yeah. Great. And so he thought of this, you know, this digital, you know, a training plan, this digital product. And he did. I it, love it. He doesn't really like to read that much, but I've explained to him how like writing is very important uh, as an entrepreneur and business person. And he's been a really good writer. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't read as much as I would like him to, but he's at least read enough to be able to write fairly well at age 11. I have. He's 11. This is what I love about him, though, is he. Um, he jumps in and he's already started like his own YouTube channels and things like that a couple of years ago. Hasn't made any money, but he does have, you know, upwards of a thousand followers and, you know, different. <laughs> that's wonderful. Yeah. But this, so, but he jumped in and, um, you know, and he's just, he found a, a website software called PIX, P-I-X, kind of like a Shopify or something. And it just goes through all the steps of like building the website, getting the URL. He asked some questions. And I'm like, and he's learned things about delegating and, and, you know, hiring people and so forth. And I said, Eric, you know, what, what you've done with this website so far, I said, you can't really, like, you can you can hire and, and so forth uh, once you get this successful to have people help you run it. But I said, starting it, the part that you're doing right now, this is the part you can't ever hire somebody to do. I mean, you can hire someone yeah. to do, like, each part of it, but to hire somebody to put it all together and just plow through it. And to see his tenacity as we're going to bed way too late at night. And he's like, I'm like, we got to get to bed, Eric. You got to get up for school tomorrow. He's like, he wants me to spend five minutes um, or five more minutes, you know, looking at his Google ads. And, uh, you know, and it's <laughs> fantastic. It's, so it's incredible. I said, you know what, Eric, I don't know. You might not. It's pretty likely that you're not going to make any sales or that you'll make just a few sales. You'll lose a thousand dollars and, um, you know, and it doesn't work out like that's fairly possible, maybe even likely. But I said, I guarantee you, you will not lose on this investment. You will learn, if you make money, that's great. You make a million bucks, even better. Make a few thousand dollars, great. But you're gonna learn so much from this that by the time you're 20, there's no chance you're not gonna have a successful business. You know what I mean? Yeah. As long yeah. as you keep going. So true. So, uh, so anyway, so there's uh, you're more ready than you think. And here's an 11 year old who's basically, um, you know, taking that to heart. So if you're out there listening and you're older than 11, you don't have a lot of excuses, unfortunately. <laughs> so no, I Fantastic. love it. And yeah, that's it. Cause it's, it's great to be prepared, but don't over prepare. Right. Cause that can, 
that can go on yeah. for years. And uh, you can you can often have um, sloppy success, and it's just as productive, or maybe more. Right. So, well, great, uh, Anthony. It's been uh, thank you, Brian. Tremendous having you on here. Is there any uh, website or social handle you want to share with us as far as how to find? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, LinkedIn is uh, sure. No, Anthony Grupo on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram, uh, AC Grupo. And honestly, I'd, you can email me directly, and I'll I'll respond to everyone. It's Anthony Grupo at yahoo.com. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for joining the show today. Thank you, Brian. It's been tremendous. I'm Brian Semley, and this is the Fit for Success podcast.